I just don't know what I'm going to do now. The man sitting next to me said with a a tremble in his voice and with tears that were forming in his eyes. His wife had recently died, ending the life that he had known with her for 50 years or almost 50 years. She was my life. And we looked forward to enjoying our golden years together. These were years that we had planned to be together. We were going to travel. We were going to spend time with one another. Life was going to be great. As I listened on, I could clearly see that she was his reason for living. There's no doubt about it. He was still madly in love with her after all of these years. And he truly had no idea what he would do with the rest of his life. I was in another conversation with a friend this past week and heard something similar describing someone in her family whose daughter, a family member, had recently died after 16 years of battling a rare disease. Her purpose in life had been caring for that child for all of those 16 years. She had a professional career before she had her daughter, and she really couldn't remember what life was like 16 years ago. But here she was dealing with this disease. Her purpose in life every minute of the day for all 16 years was to take care of someone who could not do much more than just breathe on her own. And now that her daughter is gone, she wonders what to do with her life and with the hours of her day and with her future. Have you ever felt like that? What am I going to do with my life? What is my purpose in this world. I'm thinking the disciples were in that place of quandary and uncertainty after Jesus died. If you look in some of these uh, images that are here, you can see that, especially those uh, in the faces of the disciples as they are looking up, those who are wondering, what is going to happen with the rest of my life? Just as they were starting to grieve His departure from them, He shows up. I mean, they saw him on the cross, and they knew he went to a tomb, and they had even heard that he had disappeared from the tomb, but they weren't really sure all of what took place until they started to see him. He was appearing to them, and their hearts burned strangely, and their joy was ebullient as he, their, their reason for living, was now back with them. Joy had been restored, and they could see their future again as it was out ahead of them in the physical, resurrected body of Jesus. But as we have heard from Luke's Gospel here this morning, He leaves them again, ascending out of their sight and into heaven. Just when they were starting to feel like they understood life again, He takes off. Some of them were so distraught that they couldn't move. And you can see that again in some of these images. They stayed right there where they last saw Him and they they just kept staring up into space. And I am sure that you and I would have done the same thing. You see Jesus taking off and you just look thinking, what next? 
what is going to happen with me, what's going to happen with this group of disciples that I've been traveling with for these last several years, what's going to happen to this world that Jesus said He loved and that He cared for and that He wanted us to be a part of. So some just stayed right there. Others walked on, but no doubt just as confused as those among them who were frozen in gaze and in in their foot and their feet. I'm not sure what their conversation was in the immediate aftermath of Jesus' ascension. I'm sure they were talking about all kinds of things, but I'm pretty sure that there was some discussion of what it all meant. There must have been a rehashing of the things that Jesus said. They're trying to put the pieces back together, especially those stories and those lessons that Jesus would share with them that they never quite understood at the time. And Jesus was always telling these stories. And some, like the prodigal son, made perfect sense to them. They could see themselves in the lives of those characters in the story. But then there were some about the future they just never could understand. They just thought Jesus was on a higher plane and he could understand them and maybe some other people in the crowd could, but they couldn't. And so I'm sure they were talking about those, trying to figure out if they made sense now. Like not wanting to leave them as orphans in the world. What in the world? did that mean? Or when he talked about going away, but coming back to take them so that they could be with him where he was, or they could be in one of these mansions that Jesus talked about. They thought it was nice at the time, but they really had no idea what that would look like. At some point, the words that we have heard in Jesus' prayer in John's gospel this morning, as we just heard, they must have been the subject of their conversations together. Like, do you remember when Jesus said that prayer and, and he, he said it to where we could hear it and, and He was praying as if God was right there in our midst and He kept talking about us and talking about Him and how He was one with the Father and how we could be one with the Father as well? And they would remember this prayer. And we were able to eavesdrop on this prayer, just as we've heard this morning, on one of the most intimate things that one person can do for another as Jesus prays for His disciples. The words here in these verses reveal Jesus' deep affection for them, His concern for their protection, uh, His concern for their unity. Jesus looked at them and knew they were going to have some squabbles. He knew that they would be at each other's throats as they would deal with issues of leadership and as they would deal with the persecution that was coming their way. But he also prayed for uh, an affirmation of their calling, that they could know that they were important, that they could know that God had called them to be involved in ministry. In addition to all of that, he prayed that they might be reminded by God of their purpose in the world. He says, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them. God, just as you sent me to come and to live for a while on this planet and with these people, so you have sent them, and I am sending them and commissioning them into the world. Jesus was leaving them, but leaving them with a purpose. 
They were to live as He lived, sent out into the world just as Jesus was sent into it. And even in the midst of the dark emptiness of their grief and the intense sadness, they could know how they were to spend the rest of their lives. Yes, Jesus was gone from them, but His life wasn't over. In a way, it was just the beginning. And the world needed to see even more of His body. On this seventh Sunday of Easter, by the way, this is the last Sunday of Easter. We move into Pentecost next Sunday. By the way, everybody is supposed to wear red on on Sunday. If not, um, we will tag you with something red so that you can stand out uh, because it is that emphasis upon the giving of the Holy Spirit and we we will hear Scripture about the tongues of fire that appeared over the disciples and everyone who was gathered in that room. And so we'll remember what it is to be in our lives, this giving of the Holy Spirit. But on this seventh Sunday of Easter, we might find ourselves in the disciples' place, looking back on the cross, looking at the empty tomb and the resurrection, and now looking at the ascension, pondering what it is that we are to do now. Some churches don't even get beyond Easter. They don't get beyond, they don't go to the second Sunday of Easter or the third Sunday. They just skip right on into something else. And here we've been looking at it for seven weeks. But what do we do now? What is it all about? And what does any of it have to do with right now where we're living, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we go to the grocery store, when we go out and take care of the things that go on in our lives? What, what are we to do with it? And what about our future? Coming to church is great and all, but is it really necessary? What's the point? You might have wondered all of this as you heard the alarm chime this morning for you to get out of bed. Anybody want to be honest and say you wondered, why is it that I'm going to get out of bed on a Sunday morning when I could be sleeping in? And obviously there were quite a few people who uh, fell into that category this morning and snoozed their way out of church. Maybe they're right. Why bother? Apparently, you may not be the only ones who wonder about the purpose of church these days. As revealed in a study that was published this past week from Pew Research, a poll of Christians in the United States, it said that nearly one out of five have dropped out of church and Christianity. These are people who have grown up in church or who have affiliated with a particular flavor of Christianity. And they have said, I am no longer a part of it. No longer perhaps a part of the Christian faith, but certainly not a part of church showing significant decline in attendance in our nation. Does that alarm you? The responses show that people are still interested in spirituality. They just no longer find the church having any purpose for them and for the world. They just see no point. They might bless you on your way to church, 
that they don't see the need for it in their own lives. Perhaps what this shows even more is the church's failure to understand and to convey what it is that it is here for. Why do we exist as the body of Christ in the world of today? Maybe we just don't even see that we are the body of, the, of Christ. I think church, the word, sometimes is misleading. Uh, it's a loaded term. We think of all kinds, you know, tend to think of it as a building, don't we? Uh, or we might think it's a particular group of people. But maybe that's not what Jesus had in mind. So what about you? Obviously, you are still here, still finding purpose in church. After all, you got up and came here today. So what is your reason for being here? What is our reason for gathering in this building every Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m.? Is it to gaze upward together? That we might just gather here and, and just look up to the heavens either literally or spiritually, looking up and wondering where Jesus went. I mean, Jesus, where did you go? I felt you in my life at one point. I knew you. I walked with you. And I'm not really sure where you went. Or wondering when He's coming back. Some people know, by the way. They can tell you. Some people put it on billboards. I remember back in 2011, one particular church, I uh, believe out in California, they knew it was going to be on May 4th, 2011. And they were ready. They sold all their stuff and they stood outside looking up to the heavens. Maybe we're like them sometimes. Maybe not quite in that way. But we're shaking our heads and our fists collectively about how screwed up the world is. And we're talking and singing about the day when we evacuate this horrible world for the one with streets of gold. For some churches, this is so. For others, being left behind... By the way, there's a book series by that title. Being left behind means time waiting on heavenly rescue. It is spent combating the forces of evil. Evil like drinking. That was funny. It's like drinking. You know, some people oppose drinking. Gay marriage. Evolution. And immigration. These evils we are to combat. And this is the purpose of the church or sin management. Certainly not our sins. We don't want to manage our sins, but we'll manage the sins of other people. These are the reasons we are here as a church until we could be raptured and get away from all these people. Is this really what Jesus had in mind for the church as He prayed such a, a powerful and intimate prayer for them? Or is there something else that He intended? As Church for the Highlands, we are to make sure that we understand that something else. We must continually check ourselves to make sure that we are not drifting away from our central purpose of being a group of people who are living as an answer to Jesus' prayer. As those who have been sent into the world, we do so by remembering that we no longer belong to this world, just as Jesus said. But we have been left here 
to exist as the body of Jesus in this world. We are to go out in our neighborhood and world as Jesus went out into the world with His body. And so what does that body look like? And how can we know that we have it as a church? How do we know that we're doing the right things and that we are saying the right things to people and carrying out the right kinds of programs and things in our community? Well, one way uh, is to see if our body is in motion. Like when Jesus' body was on this earth, we are to be one that is living out its sent nature. What would have happened if Jesus just decided to stay in Nazareth? By the way, I noticed our uh, Vacation Bible School this year, that's the theme, Jesus in Nazareth. And it's, it's, I think, a very interesting study. It's going to be great for our children to learn about what it was like to grow up in Nazareth, a a, a city that was uh, forgotten and um, not significant at all, especially in the Roman Empire. It was just a bunch of peasants living off the beaten path. And that's where Jesus grew up. But you know, He didn't stay there. He didn't stay in the synagogue. He didn't stay at the Jordan River. He went out and about, and He was a body in motion. So in other words, we will look and be like Jesus when we are on the move as a church, constantly going out and into the streets, into the homes, into the sicknesses, to the injustices, and into the lives of people that we come into contact with every day. Another way to identify our body is by looking at our bruises. Remembering that Jesus had them, and so will we when we live like He did. Out beyond our comforts and the confines of our religious institutions. These badges, I mean these bruises, aren't badges of honor, nor do they indicate a sadistic personality of the church. They are rather the inevitable results of working with God in this rough and tumble world that is all around us. Along with the bruises, though, we should also see a body that has been resurrected. Like Jesus' body, we can't be buried. At least we can't stay buried. The life that is within us cannot be extinguished. As we hear the statistics and and we look and and see the, the troubling data that is out there about the church of today, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Maybe it's a wake-up call for the church of today, especially here in America, to get serious about what Jesus has called us to do. And I think if we ever could get serious about it, we wouldn't have to worry about such results. People will come when they see the body of Christ at work. So we need to see that this life, this body of Christ, is one that is risen. It is risen indeed, highly visible and revealing grace and truth to everyone that we come in contact with. Our world is dying to see a living church, a real, live, flesh and blood body of Christ. May we be a church that shows that to them. Let us pray.